Welcome to this episode of the Vegan Family Podcast. I'm very excited about this episode's guest, Marisa Miller-Wolfson, who is a filmmaker who's made Vegucated, and she's also an author of the Vegucated Family Table and a vegan mom of two. And Marisa, I've known you for so long, and I'm so excited that I'm finally getting a chance to talk to you about all things vegan parenting. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of Vegucated. I think it's a film that everybody should watch. So thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to talk. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've been a fan of this podcast since the very beginning. Wow, that's great. Yeah, you've introduced me to so many awesome vegan parents, you know, when I'm alone at night, cleaning up the kitchen or, or baking or cooking or something. And I just feel this sense of community um, with these other vegan parents who don't even know I'm alive. <laughs> but I feel community with them and it's great. So thank you. And I've obviously been a fan of yours and Anima Outlook. I mean, from back when you were uh, Compassion Over Killing, you guys do such awesome work. So thank you. Well, I think, you know, community to me is something that as we you know, really look into what is important for sustained social change, it all comes down to community. Actually, there's one other concept. It comes down to self-efficacy and community. If you feel like you can do it, if you feel like you understand the problem, you understand how to solve the problem, and you're part of a group of people who are like-minded, and you can kind of talk through things, and you feel like, you know, you're not alone, um, it really, really makes a huge difference. And I think people underestimate the importance of community, um, and especially when we become parents, of course, that seems to be the time. I remember when I had my first son, it was like, I had no idea that there were all of these parks and classes and, you know, um, things to do. Like, you know, there's, there's, our city has all these fun things to do. We have block parties, we have, uh, night out, you know, the, the, um, the, anti-crime night out like events that we have we had holiday caroling all these things i had no idea any of that was going on <laughs> we had children um and then you know it, it really seems like there was a big gap when it came to the community around vegan parenting oh absolutely i mean First of all, and we had a little email exchange about this, um, the two don't necessarily go hand in hand um, in the sense that a lot of veganism, a lot of vegans can be, you know, anti quote unquote breeding or, or natalist. And, and there's something kind of beautiful in that in their commitment to just keeping the world kinder and greener. And that's beautiful. But, um, you know, if we're going to make veganism become mainstream, I feel like we need to give people who aren't going to go that route um, some how to and some social support, because yeah. as you say, without the social support, I mean, you, you feel, you know, parent, parenthood is alienating anyway, in the sense that, you know, the days are long, you're stuck with these people, <laughs> these little people, <laughs> you know, you can't really have a real conversation with, um, and just being on a text thread or just checking in on a Facebook group, um, or having that mom or dad to call, um, you know, if this or that is coming up. And then especially when it comes to the vegan part of parenting, I mean, my gosh, I think everybody has some kind of story around, an, you know, an unsupportive parent or God forbid, a healthcare provider. Um, when we know that it's doable, it's healthy, you know, it's obviously best for the planet and the animals. Um, but it's hard to, to, you know, sometimes you get caught in the muck. And so it's great to have friends to help you out of that muck 
and give you a sense of community and belonging and, you know, sort of strengthens your sense of purpose. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we haven't talked much. We very, very lightly touched on this in the podcast, the issue of kind of the anti-natalist point of view. And I think, you know, I mean, from my point of view, like I really understand that. I, I like to think of myself as kind of like bilingual, like I can live in both places because yeah. my undergrad, I did environmental studies. And, um, right. you know, I, I actually, it, it was so interesting looking at some of the ways that they, that the sort of environmental science side of things would look at population and population growth and all that. And I, I just had this memory come back the other day about how in my atmospheric chemistry class in college, they showed what they believed to be the earth's carrying capacity. And you know, it's it's a curve, right? So it's like, how, what does the population growth look like? And where, where would our ultimate max carrying capacity be? And they just assumed for the purposes of the model that everybody was vegan because it would have been such a short graph otherwise. Wow. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, we really need to be having these conversations the other way around too, right? We need to be, be able to understand how we really move the, the world toward veganism right? You know, and not just talk about population in a vacuum. Um, I agree. I, I agree. Population. I mean, there are just so many factors with that. I mean, obviously, Someone in Africa is not going to have the same footprint as someone here, but if they move, you know, but then they should be able to move. And then you've got climate, climate refugees and you've just, I mean, it's a big, ugly, crazy, complicated soup. And I, I, I don't think any parent, especially if you're kind of a planet conscious parent, animal conscious parent, takes this decision lightly um, yeah. to, to create people. Um, and, and another thing that people assume is that vegan parenting equals um, having babies. And that's just not true. I mean, I know plenty of uh, vegan parents who, who adopt and that's, you know, so they're not, they're not one in the same, um, you know, just because you adopt. I mean, that's beautiful. People who adopt, I mean, it's, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that's, that's like varsity level parenting. That's varsity level parenting. <laughs> that's right. And you know, a lot of people say, well, that's the answer. Well, oh, it can be an answer, but um, there are some people, you know, like, my husband's older, we wouldn't be able to adopt a child because of his age. You know, they don't adopt to parents of a certain age. And so, so there are so many factors. And, and I, I agree with you. I think, you know, these are conversations that are to be had. And I also straddle both worlds in the sense that I, I, I completely see both sides of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the important thing, you know, to me is really understanding people and sort of the psychology of people and what our levers are for potential change, right? So exactly what you said about we will not get into the mainstream if we don't really connect and understand and respect sort of family and parenting and kid culture and values. I think in order to, you know, bring these values and bring these issues into our mainstream culture and, and people can live them. And, you know, community is a really important first step, but, but we're talking about living them in terms of just sort of day to day, this is the water that we're swimming in. That's mm -hmm. the goal, right? We want to be able to, you know, watch films and television and read books and, you know, have conversations about, you know, those sort of late night philosophical conversations you have with kids when they don't want to go to bed, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, you know, we want that all to be integrating these kinds of values and this kind of thinking. And I think it's, it, you know, there's, 
there are plenty of vegan parents out there. There's tons of people. It's not as though we don't exist. Really? <laughs> There's tons really? of vegan kids. And, you know, our job at this point as advocates, I think, is to really sort of become more visible and move that into the mainstream. And we're not going to do that without being able to not just speak the language, you know, going back to this bilingual metaphor, right, but really like feel it and understand it um, and being able to connect with all of the, the fears and insecurities and, you know, hopes and dreams that, you know, a new parent has or a parent of older children have or worried about, you know, all these life milestones, worried about sending your kids off to college or what are they going to, you know, do and what are the social pressures going to be? Are they going to, you know, what's their career going to be like? Like all of these steps and stages in life, we have to understand as advocates, you know, that these are possible attrition points. And they're also opportunities, I think, to be bringing more people into an understanding of these values. And I think then the behavior follows, right? I think it's less about, you know, telling people, you know, go try a Beyond Burger at whatever, right? <laughs> Which yeah. is to do that. But that's, that's not the entirety of the story. Like the whole idea of building your values, building your ethics really starts for everyone in, the fa in their family setting. That's right. And those points of attrition, I love that term. I'm going to use that phrase now. I find there's a, there's a big point when people get pregnant and they just freak out and maybe they, they're suddenly craving steak and they're like, what does that mean? Or maybe they're a little anemic, although a lot of pregnant women in their, you know, especially in their third trimester get a little anemic and they freak out mm -hmm. or they have, you know, they, they hit a bump in the road and, and without that support and the know-how, um, then they might just, you know, throw in the towel and say, well, I'm yeah. done. I can't do this. Um, partnering with someone can be a tricky thing. So we need people who can talk about that and how to na yeah. navigate those waters. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the little school stuff and the little social stuff with kids, um, you know, we're online. We know that there's a thriving, huge, growing, beautiful vegan community. My children are like, you know, they're six and eight and they're just discovering kids messenger and, but that's it. Like the, they don't, they just only connect with their friends online and people yeah. they already know. So they, and they don't know a ton of vegan kids. Now I've made it a priority to find them out, seek them out and to connect with them as much as we can. I mean, there's some wonderful, wonderful activists um, in our community in New York city and beyond. Mm -hmm. I mean, just that I'm in touch with people who host like vegan trunk or treats like Amy Bradley in Columbus, Ohio. She has, she has uh, had a vegan family podcast for a little bit. Um, so, you know, and we do that too. We get, we get together with our vegan friends and go trick or treating. So just that kind of social support. So you're not that the, the kid isn't the odd one out. Michael yeah. Walsh has a, and Annie Walsh, they have a holiday vegan holiday cookie party every December. And our kids look to forward to it like crazy. So, so even though like from the outside, you can imagine when you're at the point of attrition, you're like, Oh gosh, I don't know if I can do this. If you know about all the events that like you were talking about, like this night and that event and this caroling, if you knew that that there are already those things in place um, or that you can help create them with not too much work, um, then I feel like more people would be like, oh, you know what? I, I think I can do this. And if more kids knew like what a thriving vegan community is out there, I think they would feel more pride too. And that's why I did put together for... Um, Around around Easter time, although you know we're half Jewish and it's not uh, it's non-religious, it was called the biggest uh, 
Easter egg hunt ever. And it was just a virtual event, but we had so much fun. We had, we met baby animals, animal place virtually. We had games and songs and prizes and it ended in a scavenger hunt for kids in their own homes. We had sent the parents clues ahead of time um, of where to hide everything. So it was really fun. And they got to see just walls, you know, pages that we had 60, 64 families, um, you know, wow. log in. Yeah. And so they could just scroll through and see these pages and pages of kids on zoom and be like, Whoa, look at all these vegan kids. So, I mean, now with, with COVID, it's hard. Uh, there was veg summer fest, vegetarian summer fest was one event. And you know, those, those, those in-person events are important, but, um, there's still plenty of online events and, and I'm, I'm going to try to keep, you know, organizing those. Um, but, in the meantime, I'm actually working on a um, couple of picture books because, as you were saying, the uh, sort of the culture around vegan childhood and parenting um, needs to be boosted. We have some terrific resources, um, and you know, I know some vegan parents who have every vegan children's book out there, and a lot of them are self-published. Um, but if we can, you know, if we can prove that there is a market for this. And if we then then there will be more, you know, so that's why it's important to support the authors um, and, you know, and to show kids that this, these are our values. And there are so many people in the world who share these values, even though it doesn't seem so, like the case, maybe in your everyday day to day life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's really great to kind of build that you know, that thing that you think is missing, that you see out there, this gap, and then just sort of fill it in. And that that's such a, you know, that's such a sort of, you know, classic activist, really like soul <laughs> that's doing it that. Is. And it, it, it's so great to have that because I think not everyone, especially newer parents are, are not going to feel like they have the time or that feeling of like, yeah, I can do this, which I think is a phrase you used. And I was like, self-efficacy, there it is. Like that's, yes. what, that's what people need. Um, but, you know, I will say, I think, as you mentioned, that moment of pregnancy where people feel like, oh, you know, something slightly might go wrong. And so, you know, it, this is sort of above my pay grade. I'm not an expert in this. I don't know. I'm just going to bail. Um, I think it, it's really more that dynamic that is is leading to that feeling of like, oh, no, the kids will have, you know, difficult social environments to navigate what will happen on, on Halloween? How will they address birthday parties? How will they feel about, you know, their friends who are not vegan and all of that. And, and those things, they come up, but they're so, to me, like what my experience has been so far with the kids. I mean, mine are, my younger one just turned six and my older one is almost eight, but I like, we have never had that experience where they feel alienated or they feel upset. Like, especially with my older one, I mean, these days he's wearing like vegan shirts to school, like all the time. Oh, <laughs> like, mine, too. mine too. He's so happy to wear his little vegan is love shirt from Ruby Roth um, oh, and his, you know, his PETA shirts and things. Um, yeah, we've never had, I mean, I, I'm kind of waiting for the, okay, let me, let me backtrack because there was one time we went to a birthday party. My son had, was he even one? I think he was just one. And total rookie mistake. It was a picnic in the park. It was for a baby. It was a baby's first birthday. Mm -hmm. And I did not bring a vegan cake. And he knew sign language because um, I taught him baby signs. And he saw everybody else having cake. And he was signing cake. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. What am I going to do? And so I just, like, redirected him to the playground. And then I was like, okay, I'm not doing that again, you know. Yeah. Um, so 
but other than that, we, we, I'm still waiting for the tantrum. You know, I, I've actually had a little bit of the reverse experience where, um, you know, I'll bring a cupcake from, you know, for the party mm -hmm. the pool or wherever the little party is. And the kids are like, oh, I want that. I want one yeah. of those, you know, yeah. and they want our little thing instead, you know. Um, but having said that, I do try to make an effort to reach out to the parents and say, hey, um, what are you doing for this cake? You know, mm -hmm. is it chocolate? Is it vanilla? And then if if I can find something similar, great. If not, that's fine too. I just put my kids' favorite stuff, right? So I can mm -hmm. customize it to their favorite stuff. So yeah, it's not really been an issue here either. And um, my daughter, in fact, we were at the store yesterday and it was just it was just a coffee shop and there were some eggs in the, in the like refrigeration display. Who, who buys eggs at a coffee shop? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. and, she goes, and she like, she like growled at the display. She was like, oh, and I was like, ah, what is it? She was like, eggs. I was like, I know it's sad. And she goes, it sometimes doesn't make me sad. It makes me mad. Yeah. Is what she said. I was like, Ooh, okay. Now we need to practice like channeling that emotion into activism or, you know, into some positive way, but yeah, it should make us mad. You know, animal abuse should make us mad. I think that's a healthy response. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like, you know, it's funny that you say that about the eggs. Cause you know, I was like, yeah, my kids are not rebellious at all when it comes to, to veganism. They really love it. But then the other day, this is like the, the, the most rebellion I've seen, but my younger one, we were at target and he saw the egg display and he just like, he's like, I'm going to touch an egg. I've never touched an egg before. <laughs> I'm gonna go touch it. I'm gonna go touch it. So yeah. he's like, he doesn't even open, like, because he's never seen anyone like open the carton at the store to like. Oh my know, gosh! So he just puts his finger like through the hole, and he's like, "I'm touching the egg," you know. And, that, and I'm like, you know. But wait, how old is he? How old is he? He just turned six. Oh, that's yeah, mine's six too. That's so cute. Yeah, actually, I'm trying to remember. We went on vacation with my um, my best friend Jess from California and her son, Brayden, and he got a hard boiled egg at breakfast. You know, we were at this mm -hmm. hotel and he, my kids just crowded around him and like clustered around <laughs> him. He was like, um, he was like looking and he was like peeling it, you know, and they were looking at him like, wow. <laughs> it was That's so funny. Alien or something, so funny. Yeah, we can't make it like all that weird. Although I, I think there is a problem when you when you see, you know, we've all grown up and had to override that feeling of objectification of the animal products, right? Like seeing it as food or whatever. And then we have to return what does what Carol yeah. Adams call restore the absent referent, right? I like yeah. the Simpsons episode about that where they just have the thought bubble over her head. And she's like, no, this is a lamb, you know? Yes. Um, but the kids never have to do that. So then they're looking at that thinking like, this came from a chicken or whatever. And actually it was funny because I, my thought when he said he wanted to touch the egg, I was like, hey, whatever, touch the egg. Um, but I was like, did, did you know that the egg comes out of the same hole as the poop? And he's like, really? And then we had this whole conversation about that. <laughs> that is funny. That's a great, that's like, maybe I'll bring that up. But yeah. It's funny because I just kind of assume also that they know all the vegan things and we have the books, mm -hmm. but they don't, have the facts ready at hand in hand that we do as activists because we're constantly being challenged yeah and they're not really being challenged yet i mean maybe they will mm -hmm. down i'm sure they will be down the line but they're not really being being challenged yet and so or much and so um i i sometimes 
I'm like, oh, I should probably <laughs> give them a little bit more information. But it's it's also hard to walk that line um, between like too much exposure to where it's like kind of traumatizing, you know, and not enough. And um, so, yeah, we're like they haven't seen Vegeducated yet, for example. They haven't seen my documentary because mm -hmm. I don't think they're ready for it. You know, there's um, some little undercover footage in there. Yeah. Yeah. There's some undercover footage that's a little bit hard to watch. So I, I just want to make sure they're ready for it. But I know very, you know, kids are super different. Um, yeah. You know, they're super different. Some can handle it. Some of them can't. So we just have to go by what we know about our kid. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I really took with my older one, I really took his lead because he is a kid who very quickly like perceives injustices and if he thinks I'm like you know just kind of watering things down or hiding things from him like he's gonna notice <laughs> so I like you will be sad if you see this you know are you sure you want to see it you know and he'll kind mm. of say yes or whatever but wow. I do have to still be you know cognizant because he's a very sensitive kid but he's a kid who you know this kind of issue fascinates him in the same way that like the Holocaust fascinates him or the death penalty or war. You know, we had, we've had long days, you know, returning to the same topics over days yeah. and days about why is there war? Who wants war? Who likes war? Is this, wait, is this your six-year-old or who is this? This is the older one, the seven-year-old. Seven. Yeah. Okay. The, the younger one sees this in a much different way. Like when he was, very young he wanted to be a superhero when he grew up until his brother disabused him of that notion and told him there aren't superheroes oh well yeah. and he was like well, i'm gonna be one and that didn't even like stop him he was like i'm gonna be one and then well, he is though he is though being a vegan kid i'm sorry that's a superhero in my mind well that's funny you say that because i think that is kind of how he conceptualizes like that's what's interesting about it to him is like he can go save the animals and help them and right he has all these like specific ideas for how we can, you know, stop slaughterhouses and stuff like that. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I'm a big, we wrote about that in the Vegetated Family Table. Now I've written that with my friend, Laura Delhauer, and she's uh, been a childcare provider. She's an actor and chef mm -hmm. and all these other things, but she's also been a nanny at times. And she's had, you know, experience with kids, you know, they, they want, they do want to be superheroes. They want to be special. Everyone wants to feel special yeah. and loved. And so, um, you know, and there's just such superhero culture and kid culture. Yeah. So we talk about that and how they really can embrace that identity for themselves. Um, and then there's also the wonderful book, Vivi the Super Vegan and Vivi and the yeah. Plant Protector. Um, those are UK books, but you can go to vivithesupervegan.com and get those. Those are fantastic because, you know, those fulfill every kid's little fantasy about um, being a superhero and also in her stories, being able to talk to animals or communicate with them in a special yes. way. That was me as a kid. That's all I wanted to do. Me too. I wanted to be, you know, a Dr. Doolittle type, you know, yeah. and, um, and I think vegan kids really own, not all of them. Some, I know some kids who really don't care about animals, but most of them um, just feel this just by way of just because of their veganism, mm -hmm. feel a special connection to animals and it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the the you know the thing about kids is you just have to sort of give them the language. They kind of are already born with that ability to understand the the big topics, right? Like the all the myth 
kind of topics. You know, the good and evil and superheroes really play into that, but you just have to kind of give them enough information to process it through. I always love it when like that happens with an adult where like I say something really basic and then I can see the wheels turning and they're like, yeah. well, yeah, like I've never thought about like why some cultures eat dogs and it's just as, you know, arbitrary that, you know, this culture eats pigs and chickens and cows. But with kids, I think, you know, you give them a little and they can take that and move forward. And a lot of what I've learned is just kind of like getting out of the way and stopping them from, you know, stopping myself from kind of interfering with the process of thinking it through, you know, Mm. Um, because like, you know, thinking about, well, you know, we want to like things about the things that will kill that curiosity is like politeness being overly strict with rules, mm-hmm. you know, being justifying other people's behavior, like all that stuff. I have to just be like, I'm just going to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have a, you know, I, it's funny. I have one who's a real stickler for rules. We call him Mr. Rules and Regulations. That's and funny. veganism is one of those rules. I think also that he embraces and, mm-hmm. you know, he gets mad. So like, for example, my dad, came. It was wonderful. We hadn't seen him in like a year and a half, you know, mm-hmm. COVID and he drove 21 hours from Indiana and it was so sweet. And he just wasn't thinking. And he was just eating some milk duds that he had brought, you know, from uh-huh. the gas station or whatever. And he gave them some milk duds and the, and my son got so mad, you know, he was like, grandpa. I was like, dude, chill out. You know, these things happen. It's okay. Yeah. You know? So in some ways, like he, he embraces that veganism as a way, as a rule. And he's like, he likes having the comfort of those, of those boundaries. Yeah, the structure. The structure of it. Um, but I find that there, but there are other parents. You know, I'm kind of veering off into a different topic. But I find that there are other parents who, who don't feel that comfortable in that structure. And so, you know, in the odd moment, um, they'll let their kid, you know, have this or mm-hmm. that non-vegan thing. Um, I feel like I've seen both cases. I've seen cases where sometimes that works. I've seen cases where that's been a slippery slope and they've just fallen off of that entirely. Um, And it's just, they start off with a vegan kid. I I know a couple of parents like this where Mm -hmm. they had a vegan kid and now they're just like, okay, well, this child is just vegan um, in our home. But when they're outside, they can kind of do their own thing. So I know vegan parents, you know, they find what works for them. um, But with my Mr. Rules and Regulations, <laughs> you know, we're, we're fine. We're doing fine with our, the structure. Yeah. I mean, I think that sounds to me like the, the idea of the parent kind of being nervous about being overly restrictive and then, um, you know, allowing their, their child to, or kind of, you know, presenting their child with non-vegan things to me seems like another example of it's the parents sort of insecurity or, you know, lack of self-efficacy yeah. or whatever that's driving this. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I firmly believe in this may be my own self delusion to, to keep my sense of self-efficacy here, but <laughs> I really believe that like we can be very respectful of each individual person, you know, especially our children and their personality and their kind of autonomy and find that intersection point with veganism. And I will go another step further and say, you know, there is a way to really make it clear that that vegan values and thinking in a vegan way is going to enhance whatever individuality that person has, right? You know, I know another vegan kid who's very rule bound too, and it's really cute how much he, he kind of like enforces rules for his siblings and stuff. But my older one, like, 
he is all like, it's my body, my choice. Like he says it all the time. Like when I, when I don't want to like, you know, let him cross the street by himself or whatever. (laughs) And I'm like, look, yes, but I would be a bad mom if I let you die. (laughs) Well, I've had that conversation so many times. Uh, with my little one too, she likes to sign it, you know, test the boundaries and things and she wants to call the shots. And um, I even, but she loves me. She's so attached to me. I mean, she just, I'm like her, her, you know, sun and moon stars and for now, right. She's little, uh-huh. but um, for now. And so I'll say, think this is horrible. Oh my God. Why am I confessing to this? But she'll be like, um, you know, trying to run across the street, you know, without holding my hand or whatever. And I'll say, well, you know, if I let something happen to you, they might take you away from me. <laughs> She's like, <gasps> yeah, you have to. I mean, yeah, you do have to connect the dots for children. I mean, I, I have a, a, a um, kind of an overall philosophy of like really trying to sort of support their autonomy and let them kind of think things through and make their own mistakes and stuff. But sometimes you do have to kind of correct some of those distortions because they just don't have the information about life, you know, but, but it is, you know, like it is equally doable to have a child who is really orderly and role bound to really connect very strongly and feel authentically connected to veganism as it is as sort of an anti-authoritarian person. Right. Right. It's just all kinds of vegans. Right. right? And we know that we know that there are kinds who will, come after you for your blood. <laughs> if you, you know, if you do this or that, you know, you cross a line, maybe you eat a processed, you know, meat or something. Um, and then you have other ones who are just like, oh, you know, so you're right. There's, you know, and we, we, we're not a monolith, like any group of people. There's, there are so many ways to do this and so many ways to be this. But like you said, I feel like, I love how you said it enhances their individuality. Um, because I think as long, and I, I mean, we know this, as long as the kid is comfortable in themselves, right? Mm-hmm. If they have the basic foundation for self-esteem um, and they f- they feel, you know, valued and valuable and this and that, then they're going to be, they're going to be okay. And we, we've all yeah. had challenges. I mean, uh, not around veganism, you know, maybe, um, you know, it, I had a German mom and, you know, she would put, I mean, our PBJs at school were nothing like the PBJs and, you know, she'd have like rye bread and raspberry jam and that oily vegan peanut butter. I mean, the oily peanut butter, you know, yeah, yeah. from bagel and then, you know, a little hard boiled egg and foil, you know, and, and a carton of milk and not the fun juice. So, so yeah, there's so many ways to, um, you know, kids, the kids are going to have to stand up for themselves for being different at some point, but, but so far so good. I mean, we are just six and eight here um, and the kids, the kids are in New York. Okay. So we have an advantage, but um, so far so good. It, yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of waiting for the drama and I'm sure it will hit, you know, when they feel extra pressure to be like their peers, right. To conform. Yeah. What is that age 11, 12, whenever that hellish time is? <laughs> I don't know. It hasn't happened to us yet. I feel like it's been going the other direction where they've tried to get kids to go vegan. <laughs> so wow. Oh, really? Oh, I want to hear about that. It's funny how many parents will tell me like, oh, you know, like Logan's wants, you know, to convince my kid that she shouldn't be eating meat and stuff like that. Actually, one of the preschool teachers um, went vegetarian and then vegan just because of my younger one being in her class. Amazing. Yeah. And she's like, wanted to know all the restaurants, but also we're in LA. So I think it's much easier to even just dabble in that, you know, 
like when you're talking about birthday parties, you know, taking a trip to Whole Foods and getting the vegan, like ready-made pizza and a cupcake or something is nothing. And now Trader Joe's has vegan cupcakes, you know, and they have like sprinkles. So, you know, my one who just had a birthday is like, I want the Trader Joe's vegan cupcake. Like, I didn't even know they were there. Yes, they are. They have vegan cupcakes. I saw them. They said vegan. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, I mean, so the practical barriers are lower, but I think there definitely is because they're kids and they have such sort of pure sincerity around it. I think their, their activism is almost accidental, but is pretty effective. I think you're right. And now that you, now that you're, telling that story there's a little little boy in emmy's class where the mom um was uh she had been vegan and then she got pregnant and then she was not i think she was not yeah then she just switched to vegetarian and then she decided because she's also married to um someone who's not vegan or vegetarian so they were like well the compromise will be i guess we'll raise them vegetarian or whatever and um Mm -hmm. but then i think they i don't i'm bungling the story the point is after being in class with Emmy, her little friend um, decided to go vegetarian again. And and he wants to go vegan. So I guess he had been, or maybe she wanted him to be vegetarian, but she was like, not sure. So that's really sweet. And then in my son's class, um, there's, a, there's a little boy, Liam, who, who told his mother that he wants to be vegan. And, you know, when he grows up and, and even now, but she's, I don't know if she has the resources to, to be successful in that right now, but... Um, uh, but I, it's just, it's wonderful to see the effect that even their, their little presence has on their. Yeah. Brain. Yeah. Because it's so innocent, even if they say crazy things. Yeah. <laughs> so has there been anything that the kids have, have brought to you that's felt like a challenge, like something that they're struggling with and you don't know how to answer them or how to kind of be supportive of, of that process? Um, I'm trying to think there was one incident in school last year where the teachers chose Genesis Butler as their change maker, which is very cool, you know, yeah. for their little class to study. Everybody had change, ma- every, you know, classroom had change maker that they studied. And I guess because uh, this is another chance, another place where our kids like influenced kind of the culture of the classroom. I think mm-hmm. to support Gabriel, um, I don't know this for sure, but I imagine to support Gabriel, they chose mm-hmm. her. And um, she's a you know phenomenal child activist with her own TED Talk and these amazing videos, and she's you know was in a comic and she has inspired a whole American Doll mm-hmm. uh, book and all these things. Anyway, um, she's phenomenal. And there was a boy who was in the class. He said, "I've tried the vegan chicken nuggets and they're disgusting. They are the worst things I've ever had." And and my son was honestly so bothered by it. Like he was yeah. so upset because they're delicious to him, you know, yeah. and that's what he knows. And he just, I could see that he, him feeling that anger. And I honestly wasn't sure what to do with it. Yeah. You know? Other than to say, well, his family has a different culture and he's used to different flavors and different things. And so what's, you know, um, you know, what he likes is nice. So he like he likes. And then Gabriel had this wonderful turn of phrase, which is, yeah, I hate it when people yuck my yum. Oh, yeah. I say and that I, all the time. Oh, I love, I love that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, yeah, he's yucking your yum. And you just can't let it get yeah. to him, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but that was awkward. You know, that was an awkward moment. But the biggest challenge, honestly, for me around raising vegan kids has been their picky eating. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, really? 
Yeah, because I mean, I, when I had kids, I just I was like, well, there are two things I'm not going to tolerate as a parent. It's bullying and picky eating. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't have a bully so far, but boy, do I have two picky eaters. <laughs> and oh my gosh, I feel like every day my daughter, you know, I know picky eating like peaks at her age, which is six, but she I feel like she takes something away. You know, she was her latest thing is she doesn't like hummus. I said, You're a vegan child. You're that's not <laughs> you're not allowed to not like hummus. And, you know, and I have to remember that everything's a phase, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely everything's a phase. And there are times when they will say, well, I don't like this anymore. And then they'll turn around and be like, oh, I like this again. I'm like, okay, all right. Why did you do that? Whatever. Um, so, so what I, what I've had to do and I, and I've put so many of the recipes in my book is I've done exactly what, you know, the v- perfect vegan, perfect parents tell you not to do, which is like don't sneak healthy food into their food. And I'm like, you know, and present them just with like ground up vegetables and pasta sauce or something like that. Yeah, right. Exactly. And they're like, no, you just have to give them the, you know, the real stuff. And I give them the real stuff and it sits on their plate. Okay. So I still give them the real stuff every day. They, they get like last night, they got collard greens. Did they touch them? No. I mean, they, they have, we have a rule. They have to do a little Mm -hmm. taste. So a tiny taste, whatever, but you know, they just sat on their plate, whatever. And so, but I do have to get creative. And so their, their vegan mac and cheese is pumpkin based. So yeah. that's vitamin A, mm-hmm. you know, I, I sneak, um, uh, you know, lentils into their marinara, uh-huh. iron. So I have all kinds of tricks. I mean, I even put like baby cereal, which is high in iron and B12 yeah. and popsicles and, oh, wow. and, um, and in, um, what am I trying to say? Oh, these little um, pancakes. Um, I put baby cereal in muffins now too. Like you can actually just replace a third of the flour in our uh-huh. chocolate chip banana muffins with baby cereal and it works. So so I, I'm having to like sneak stuff in just so that I feel good about yeah. them getting the vitamins that, that I know they need. So the picky eating, man, that is at the top of the list um, for me in terms of my challenges with raising vegan kids. But it seems like you put your book together basically to be a roadmap for anybody out there who is, you know, facing something similar. Yep, I I did. You know, I, I have all these ideas, you know, you know, if you've got a child who's a little anemic, I have iron sink cookies. Um, they're kitchen sink cookies, but with a bunch of iron. Like I've, I've really tried to troubleshoot like just about every little thing. So when parents are worried about, oh, my kid doesn't like this. I mean, I've got a kid, I've got a kid who doesn't drink milk. He doesn't like almond milk. He mm-hmm. doesn't like cereal. He doesn't like smoothies. Well, guess what? He will have a smoothie pop as long as it's yeah. possible for him. So they're like all these tricks that I've had to, you know, utilize. And yeah, I hope, I hope people are finding them helpful um, because I don't know what I would do without them. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah, I I really, um, you know, it's funny because I didn't even know like picky eating was a thing after the first one because he was, he just has the opposite problem. He just loves food so much. (laughs) He's like like a kid who will like bake bread, make a giant mess and then go like give it to the neighbors. Oh my gosh. Completely like, you know, the, the second one I think is more of a typical child. Um, and you know, when he's not feeling good or he's, you know, in a new environment and he's sort of overstimulated, he'll, he gets really like bland. So I found these recent, maybe in the last few months, 
I happened to find store-bought vegan pierogies, which was never something I could find before. And he's like a full-blown addict. He's like, well, how many pierogies can a person eat in a day? Eight is fine. Like I only had eight. <laughs> are those are the potato ones, the little. Yeah, it's a, you know, like every culture has a version of this, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Or a pierogi, or a you know, a, a pot sticker, or whatever. It's like the yeah. same idea, right? Just dough with, in this case, potatoes inside. Um, so yeah, I mean, there are things that I kind of feel like. All right. Well, maybe I'll give you a Vegas smoothie at the end of the day if all you eat is pierogies. <laughs> but you know, I think with with like food issues like that, what what we always did, especially when they were really little, was go to the farmers market or go to one of those you pick places. Yes. Because even if they're really picky, because we used to take like other kids with and stuff, and everybody from like toddler, like one-year-old age to like, you know, all the way into like elementary school age, they just love, especially those you pick places. They love like picking they their own love those. They do. Yeah. We did that, you know, we're in New York city. Um, and we try to do pick straw strawberry picking in the spring, like in June. And we got stuck in Friday afternoon traffic and it took us like three hours to get to a farm that was an hour and 15 minutes north. And I was like, oh my God. And it was hot and they hated it. But then we took them, they lasted 20 minutes. And when I go back in the car, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, then, But then we went to one here, um, here on Long Island uh, last month and they loved it. Yeah. They loved it. And they ate, you know, things that they wouldn't normal, normally eat because of it. But yeah. I mean, I, I think it's great. I wish we had, wish everybody, and it's true, not everybody has access, the same kind of access to that stuff. I mean, I, I really wish wish we did. But yeah, getting them involved, they say, is like one of the most important um, things you can do. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to because they're mess makers, which is. Yes. And then they do things that are like, don't just put it on the counter. Like, that's gross or whatever. <laughs> But they get really happy about, you know, making the food and then giving it out to people and stuff. So they I do. My, my daughter, she does not like to cook with me. She does not like to cook recipes that already exist. Uh -huh. She doesn't even have the foundation to create her own inventions, but that won't hold her back. She creates her own inventions anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she, so she has fun with that. Um, it's cute. It's very cute. It usually ends up being basically a fruit soup. At the end oh, of the day. what's in the fruits? That sounds good. There <laughs> is, yes. So it starts with some kind of like almond milk or something that we heat. She puts some bananas in there and strawberries. Um, and then she'll let me make some suggestions, you know, but sometimes she doesn't. But um, so like I said, well, let's maybe add a little bit of cinnamon, maybe or vanilla. She liked mm -hmm. that. One time, though, she wanted to add tomatoes. I was like, honey, I don't think that's going to work with what we've already got here. We're going in a sweet direction uh -huh. with fruit. I don't know if, you know, a tomato is the right thing for this right now. And she, I'm going to do it anyway. I was like, oh, okay, okay. And she, <laughs> she was like, and she made everybody try it, right? And we were all like, oh, yes. Mm. And then she tried it herself and she goes, mm. and then she got a tomato and she goes, oh, I don't like <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny it's funny that you say that because just the other day 
I got a very indignant conversation from my older one about how when he was in kindergarten, his teacher didn't believe him that a tomato was a fruit. And he's like, what is she talking about? I know that I'm right. <laughs> well, sometimes, yeah, they're, they're teaching their teachers about this stuff. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's very, it's, I'm, I'm like, well, I think she might've been thinking about it more like in a like savory versus sweet or culinary right. sense, botanical sense, you know? Right. And he's like, well, I'm still right. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so we're coming kind of up on time here, but I wanted, there's so many things I wanted to kind of, you know, ask you, but I'm, my favorite thing to ask is this, and, I, and I, I'm very curious kind of how you guys have done this, but since you are such a, you know, longtime vegan, your kids have been vegan since birth, vegan pregnancy, all of that, and you thought about this is what I'm kind of parent I'm going to be. I'm not going to have picky eaters. I'm not going to have, you know, bullies. Are there things that you really, you know, positively, affirmatively want to make sure is part of your family culture and your family traditions and rituals that you've kind of veganized? That's maybe something that other people would be, you know, want to steal from you and just something fun or, or kind of interesting that you guys do. Oh, that's so cute. You know, I'll probably have to think about that a little bit. Um, but you know, growing up, I always loved um, having little bake sales and lemonade, lemonade stands like out on my mm -hmm. of my house in Indiana. And my friend Francesca and I, we were the bacon babes. And to this day, <laughs> I love to bake. To this day, I love it. Uh -huh. and we would just get some recipe from some, some book and go to town. Um, and so what I have done is I've sort of taken that and then we, we would do it for a profit, me and Francesca, you know, because we'd like to make some money and then go to the novelty store and buy like fake poop or something, you know, like, like brother or something, my brother or something. But, um, but my kids, what we do is we'll bake something um, at home and we'll put our little, little thing out, little table out there with lemonade or whatever. And then we'll give, uh, we'll give the, the money to some kind of an organization. So we've done, oh, that's nice. um, yeah. So we've done, uh, well, there was a, there was a spell where, my son wanted to, was really into marine animals. He's still really into marine mm -hmm. animals. Um, and so we did, you know, Oceana, I think that time. Mm -hmm. um, he was really into rainforest. It's funny because I'm really into farm animals, but he's really into wildlife, but that's fine. So I'm kind of going with what he's into, right? And so we went to the, uh, we donated that money to the Rainforest Trust. Mm -hmm. We also, for, for their birthday, um, we give parents, of kids who are attending the party, an option of, yes, they could bring a gift or they could donate to the child's charity of choice. I love that, yeah. Usually, it's usually some kind of animal group. Um, so that is a, that's something, you know, that we kind of started that my parents didn't really do. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've veganized so many of our things. I, I'm half German, so I grew up with advent calendars mm -hmm. and, um, with the proper chocolate. I mean, I had my yeah. lovely grandma and aunt who mailed them to us from Germany, which is amazing. Um, and now you can get them. So our kids love the chocolate advent calendar. So you can kind of mix, mix the German and the yeah. vegan together, which is great. Um, so, so those are a couple of the tr traditions that we've done. We've just sort of taken things that I, that I've known, you know, growing up and just kind of put a vegan, uh, twist on them and just sort I of a philanthropic, you know, kind of more of a philanthropic twist. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to steal the lemonade and bake baking stand idea because especially with my younger one, he's really interested in like 
making money and how that works and everything. But I wanted, I didn't want him to go too crazy on that front, you know? Um, so I think having that charitable side of it, he'll, he'll really dig that. And the older one will too, but you know, he's less interested in, you know, it's funny. <laughs> uh, they're like, the younger one's like, can you take me to Trader Joe's to get a bunch of lemonade? Um, and he's like, well, if I got 200 lemonade juice boxes, um, you know, well, and then how much would that cost? And then how much could I sell them for? And then the older one is just like, oh man, 200 lemonades. Like that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, those are my two children. They're different personalities. <laughs> but I think they actually will really dig that. I think that that's very cool. And I hadn't even thought about like veganizing an advent calendar. Like we got, there's, you know, those squishy toys. We got one of those last year instead of a food related advent calendar. Got it. So, got it. Uh, well, they love those squishy. I don't understand. I don't understand the appeal of the squishies, but boy, do they love them. Yeah, they do. They're, they're, they've been around for a while too. I thought they were going to be like a flash in the pan trend, but no, embrace them. <laughs> Well, this has been so fun. Um, I really appreciate it. And for those who have not watched Beducated, do that right away. Um, it's really actually, you know, one of the films that really sticks with me over many years in terms of what is the one thing I would want people to see. Like, you, you, you know, just understanding kind of the, the real human element of that transformation, you know, going from kind of being a non-questioning standard American diet eater into thinking about all these other things um, and that journey of learning and kind of, you know, changing. Um, I think it's, it's really well done. And then, you know, I am, I am, I've ordered the cookbook, so I'm, I'm ready to jump into all of that, especially now hearing all the, the, the thinking that went into it. Um, so well, thank you. Yeah. And thank you for the kind words. I mean, we had to use undercover investigation from all the groups. I think we have, we had some at the time COK stuff in there. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, you know, it's been so it's, I, I love to think of my, my late boss and mentor, Mary Max, how she says that we're all pieces in a giant mosaic, right? Yeah. We, all, we all have these um, important contributions to this, create this picture of a beautiful world that we're trying to create. And, you guys are so important in that. And, and, and your podcast is because, you know, as we know, there just is very little out there for vegans and vegan parents. So I so appreciate, I know how much I don't know, but I can only imagine how much work it is to put this together and you doing it on top of your, you know, your duties at the organization and on top of the, the parenting. So thank you, Cheryl. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. We're gonna build. We're gonna build this whole world of, of vegan parenting and and make it a mainstream thing. So I love it. Yes. So for anyone listening, help us out. Share it. Uh, send your questions, your comments, um, your cute kid quotes, which of course is my favorite thing. Um, and until next time, thank you so much. Thank you, Cheryl. <laughs>